0: If you desire truly to live, you will cease trying to find magic tricks and shortcuts to life, and learn the simple laws of being, and order your life in conformity with these. Realign your life with the laws of nature. This and this alone constitutes living to live. Hello and welcome to episode 228 of Under the Cull of MS. This is going to be a MS multiple sclerosis health segment. A variety of little segments. We're going to talk about emotions, exercises for MS, red yeast rice, morning stretches, and MS vision problems today. So... Tighten your belts, strap on your boots, get ready, and we'll be back to you right after this. It is time for another MS Health segment, and today we're going to talk about some coping techniques for emotional times. Focusing on your emotions, kind of like mindfulness type type uh, activities towards making your emotions, putting your emotions in check, getting them in a happier place. But basically, for example, you can be... Problem solver, when navigating a challenge or stressful event, you can go straight to the source and work at it until you've either fixed what's wrong or brought your stress down to a more manageable level. But what if taking immediate action isn't your strong point? Maybe you try to hack your emotions by considering the situation from a different perspective or leaning on loved ones for support. A couple of approaches that represent two distinct coping strategies, like problem-focused coping, which involves handling stress by facing it head on and taking action to resolve the underlying cause. And then there's emotion-focused coping, which involves regulating your feelings and emotional response to the problem instead of addressing the problem. Both strategies have benefits, but emotion-focused coping may be be particularly useful in certain situations. When you can manage manage your emotional response to a given situation more effectively, you may feel somewhat better about what's happening, or at least more equipped to handle it. Things like meditation helps you learn to acknowledge and sit with all your thoughts and experiences, even the difficult ones goal of meditation is mindfulness to recognize thoughts as they come up, accept them, and let them go without stewing over them or judging yourself for having them. You can practice mindfulness anytime, anywhere, and it won't cost you anything. It may feel a little awkward, even unhelpful at first, and it can take some time before it feels natural. If you stick with it though, you'll generally begin seeing some benefits before too long. Journaling's a great way to sort through and come to terms with challenging your challenging emotions you're having when something goes wrong, you might experience a lot of complicated conflicting feelings. they might feel jumbled up inside you, making the thought of sorting them out exhausting, or maybe you're not even sure how to name what you're feeling with words. Exhaustion and confusion are valid feelings and can be a good starting point for putting pen to paper. Sometimes writing down your feelings no matter how messy or complex they are is the first step in working through them. You might eventually find that journaling offers a type of emotional catharsis as You purge them from your mind and into your journal to get the most out of journaling. Try writing every day, even if you only have five minutes and you get something jotted down. You can get the more important basics at least jotted down. Writing whatever comes to mind. Don't worry about editing or censoring yourself. It's your journal, so who cares? Nobody else needs to read it. keeping track of any mood or emotional changes you experience and any factors that might be contributing to the pattern, whether that's your exercise routine, certain foods, or particular relationships. Positive thinking, optimism won't solve problems alone, but it can certainly boost your emotional wellness. It is important to understand that optimistic or positive thinking does not involve ignoring your problems. It's about giving challenges a positive spin and finding pockets of joy to help you get through them. To add more positive thinking to your life, try building yourself up with positive self-talk instead of talking down to yourself. Recognizing your successes instead of focusing on failures. Laughing off mistakes reminding yourself you can always try again. All these things are easier said than done, but with a bit of practice, they'll start to feel more natural to you. It's easy to focus on feelings of injustice or unfairness when someone wrongs you or does something unkind. Most of the time, though, you can't do anything to change the hurt you've sustained. In other words, the damage is done, and there's nothing to do but let it go. And move forward forgiveness can help you let go of hurt and become begin healing from it of course forgiveness doesn't always happen easily it can take some time to come to terms with your pain before you feel able to forgive you can dwell on things for the rest of your life if you don't forgive it and let it go Practicing forgiveness can benefit your emotional wellness in a number of ways. You might notice reduced stress and anger, increased compassion, greater empathy, stronger interpersonal relationships. Recognize check out guides for letting go of the past and research stuff that you need to help you along with any of these things. When you reframe a situation, you look at it from another perspective. This can help you consider the bigger picture instead of getting stuck on little details, as difficult or unpleasant as those details sometimes are. Basically look at things from the outside in. Don't just dwell on them. For example, your relationship has been struggling over the past few months, primarily because you and your partner haven't had much time to do things together, communicate about problems. Suddenly you lose your job and find that you're now spending plenty of time at home. Not working isn't ideal, of course, but for the moment, there's nothing you can do to change that situation. Instead of letting it frustrate you and boredom build up, You can look at the bright side of the situation. You now have plenty of time to reconnect with your partner and strengthen your relationships. Buying or pushing away negative emotions usually doesn't do much to improve them. You might not actively notice these unwanted emotions if you work very hard at keeping them hidden. But they do eventually tend to resurface. In the meantime, they can trickle out in the form of mood changes. Emotional distress, physical symptoms like muscle tension, or head pain. It's generally a good idea to talk about your feelings to any others involved in the situation. They may or may not realize they had an impact on you unless you tell them. Communicating your difficulties won't always resolve them, but if an approach to a resolution does exist, you're more likely to discover it together. Some serious concerns can cause a lot of distress, especially when you can't do anything to improve your situation. Maybe you're going through a breakup or facing life-threatening health concerns or dealing with grief. There's not much you can do to change these circumstances and dealing with the painful emotions that come up on your own can be hard. There's no need to go it alone. A trusted mental health professional can help you Manage emotional distress by offering guidance on any of the emotion focused coping strategies that that we talked about previously they can also provide support that more specifically are tailored to your situation, basically in an ideal world, you'll be able to face all your problems head on and solve them right away in reality though many challenges are beyond our control emotion focused coping can help you weather these challenges and build resilience. Try those out. Do some meditation, maybe throw in some yoga, do some journaling. Focus on things and write them down, keep track of them, see where they're affecting you, and go from there. We'll get back to you with more goodies to talk about to help you with your multiple sclerosis and your health issues in the future. So be good and keep the monster away. All right, let's do another MS Health segment. And today we're going to talk about some exercises that are good for people with multiple sclerosis, some things that aren't too hard to do, things you can do to get yourself started things like that just it can be hard to do exercise with ms and but yet it's well needed because there's tons of benefits from it everything from mental to physical benefits And it can help us kind of ward off the monster a little bit longer, help us stay a little more mobile for longer, things like that, help with some of the pain and fatigue issues, also may cause some extra pain when you're first starting out. But it can help stave off illnesses like heart disease, diabetes, promote bone density, things like that keep you flexible and help you out in different ways. It can feel like a ton of effort to get up and move. When you have multiple sclerosis, even just for just 10 minutes, you can get that much exercise or activity in. It can help in the long run. Uh, And that movement can include anything like Sitting in your chair and stretching, practicing yoga, Tai Chi, Pilates, or getting up for a walk, moving, as long as you're moving around, getting some activity, that's a big bonus. But some gentler resistance training exercises are a great starting point for people with MS. Uh, some of these following exercises, you can shoot for eighteen, fifteen, or eight to fifteen reps of the moves. Uh, start with one set, adding more sets as you get stronger. We're going to start out with the cat cow. Very simple. Basically, begin on your hands and knees in an all fours position, with your shoulders over your wrist and your knees under your hips. Inhale as you arch your back, lifting your tailbone, head, and chest. Exhale as you round your back, tucking your chin to your chest, and drawing your belly button up towards your spine, and repeat. It's a nice, simple stretch you can do, as long as you can get on your knees. It can be hard with people that have knee Knee damage, knee reconstruction, all that stuff. So the more you do it, the more your knees will loosen up and be able to kneel on them more. Next one is the bridge. Begin by lying on your back on the floor or a mat with your knees bent and feet flat on the floor. And your arms down by your sides. Squeeze your butt your buttocks and raise your hips off the floor to form a bridge. Hold it for a few breaths and then slowly lower back down and repeat that movement as many times as you like. Everything don't overdo and you can end up with back pain or whatever if you overdo it. So just focus on your body, listen to your body. Then you have the pelvic tilt Begin by sitting straight up in a chair, your arms down by your sides and relaxed. Look straight ahead with your head, shoulders, and hips in one straight line. Take a deep breath to fill your lungs fully, then slowly exhale and pull your stomach muscles in, slowly curving your pelvis under you and pushing your lower back into the back of the chair. Form a C-curve position with your spine. Hold this for three to five seconds. Then slowly inhale to straighten your lower back and pelvis back into one straight line and repeat. You got the front arm raise. Basically begin by sitting straight up in a chair, arms down by your sides and relaxed. Look straight ahead with your head, shoulders, and hips in one straight line. Extend your arms straight out in front of you to shoulder height, palms facing down. Then lower back down to your sides and repeat. Nice simple moves. Don't injure yourself. They should just help kind of relax you and loosen you up. Next one would be overhead arm raise. Begin by sitting straight up in a chair, arms down by your sides, and relaxed. Look straight ahead with your head, shoulders, and hips in one straight line. Slowly raise your arms overhead, biceps in line with the ears, palms facing away from you. Keep your elbows and wrists straight and shoulders relaxed, away from your ears. Lower your arms back down to your sides, and repeat. Then we got the side arm raise, where you begin by sitting straight up in a chair, arms down by your sides, and relaxed. Look straight ahead with your head, shoulders, and hips in one straight line. Slowly raise your arms out to the sides to shoulder height, palms facing down, lower your arms back down to your sides and repeat, and then there's wrist flexion, flexion, flexing, flexion. Begin by sitting straight up in a chair, arms down by your sides and relaxed, look straight ahead with your head, shoulders and hips in one straight line. Hold a rolling pin, umbrella, or a one-pound weight in each hand to start. Place your forearms on a table in front of you, palms facing down. Lift the object by extending your wrist, pulling your hands towards you. Towards you. Keep your forearms on the table. Lower back down and repeat. Then we got forearm rotation. It's nice because a lot of these you can just do right from your chair. Just go from position to position. If you're in a wheelchair or whatever, this would work great for you also, except for the first two positions. But with the forearm rotation, begin by sitting straight up in a chair, arms down by your sides and relaxed. Look straight ahead with your head. Shoulders and hips in one straight line. Hold a rolling pin umbrella or one pound of weight to start. Vertically in one hand, palm facing inward and forearm on a table in front of you. Keeping your forearm in contact with the table, rotate your forearm outward, bringing the object towards the table. Raise the object Back up towards the center and as far as possible inward towards the table. Repeat, alternating sides and moving slowly to keep the object from flopping. Switch hands and repeat. And we have sit to stand. Get you out of the chair this round. Begin by sitting tall in a chair, on the couch, or on a bench. Look straight ahead with your head, shoulders, and hips in one straight line. Place your hands on your knees and push down through your hands. As you simultaneously push through your feet, to you stand up tall. Push your butt and hips back as, slowly as you slowly sit back down, hands coming back on your knees, and then repeat. Then we had the side leg raise. Begin by standing with your feet slightly apart, weight evenly distributed distributed on both feet. Lift your right leg out to the side, keeping your knees straight and toes pointing forward. Hold it. Slowly lower back down and repeat. Switch legs and repeat. You may want to be standing by a wall or have your cane or walker nearby or a chair so you can hold on to the chair back if need be when you're holding the leg up in the air and you're balancing on one leg until your balance builds up. Try that out and make sure always before you start that you chat with your doctor or physical therapist. Let them know what exercise routine you're going to do and if you're experiencing a flare up It's probably best to back off of the exercise for a while and check with your doctor. That's it for today. Be good to yourself. Beat the monster. Keep him at bay. We'll get back to you again soon. time for another MS Health segment. Today we're going to talk about red yeast rice. benefits of it and some other stuff Uh, I've never heard of red, red yeast rice so this is new to me I don't remember ever seeing it that's why you should do things like keep a daily food diary so you can check out different things when you eat stuff how it affects your body how it feels There's tons of little apps and stuff you can research and look up and find about keeping your food choices on track and finding ways to manage your diet, nutrition, uh, seeing how things can affect you is a good thing, especially with inflammation and stuff like that with multiple sclerosis you can do a quick search on google or wherever and find tons of apps and products that aim to give people useless tools to record and measure your weight loss goals Uh, basically there's studies that suggest that self-monitoring monitoring what foods you consume is the most effective way to lose weight and people that lost most weight weight spent their time under at least around 15 minutes a day recording what they ate and drank. It might seem daunting, but researchers urge that finding a way to include self-monitoring in your day-to-day routine will help you hit your weight loss goals and help you benefit you as far as health-wise with your different conditions and stuff. Uh, But yeah, I'm curious about this red yeast rice. It's apparently you can get it off of pharmacy shelves. It's been prized for its powerful medicinal properties for hundreds of years, but yet I've never heard of it until now. Um, It's, Known as one of the top natural remedies for high cholesterol, uh, it's a natural supplement that contains active ingredients virtually identical to those found in prescription medi- medications. Benefits of red yeast rice extend beyond correcting cholesterol levels with emerging research showing that it may also benefit inflammation, which is great for us, metabolic syndrome, which is also great for us. Blood sugar levels, which is great for us and diabetics and more. Uh, Some benefits, side effects, and dosage recommendations for red yeast rice. Red yeast rice is a type of fermented rice that is produced using a specific species of mold. It's been used in traditional Chinese medicine for centuries for its powerful health promoting properties. It contains the compound mannakalin mono- K, the same active ingredient found in prescription cholesterol medica- lowering medications like lovastatin. It's often used as cost-effective alternative to pricey medications to help reduce cholesterol levels and support heart health Uh, research has shown other beneficial effects as well ranging from reduced cancer cell growth to improved blood sugar and insulin levels it is commonly sold as an over-the-counter supplement marketed to help manage cholesterol and improve overall health Red yeast rice is produced by fermenting rice with a specific species of mold. It contains the same active ingredients as cholesterol lowering medications and has been studied for other benefits as well. Studies show that red yeast rice may help lower cholesterol levels. It may also have the potential to reduce triglycerides and blood pressure when combined with statins. And Human and animal studies show that red yeast rice may help reduce several risk factors for metabolic syndrome, including high levels of cholesterol, blood pressure, and blood sugar, as well as excess body weight. Human and animal studies show that red yeast rice may help decrease levels of oxidative stress and inflammation in the body. I definitely want to try this out. See how I feel with it. Animal and test tube studies have found that red yeast rice may help reduce the growth and spread of prostate cancer cells, but human-based research is lacking to confirm these effects. Many products marketed as red yeast rice contain minimal amounts of its active ingredient, monacolin K, to avoid strict FDA. Regulations. Red red yeast rice may cause gastrointestinal issues, allergic reactions, liver toxicity, and muscle problems. It's not recommended for people taking statins or women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. I can't speak today again. It's. Widely available in both capsule and tablet form, it's been studied in doses ranging from 200 to 4,800 milligrams, but most supplements recommend 1,200 to 2,400 milligrams daily for best results. Basically, red yeast rice may support heart health and reduce cholesterol levels, inflammation, cancer cell growth, and risk factors of metabolic syndrome. It can cause gastrointestinal issues, allergic reactions, liver toxicity, and muscle problems, and is not recommended for people taking statins or women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Most supplements recommend twelve hundred to twenty four hundred milligrams daily. However, many products on the market today contain minimal amounts of its active ingredient, potentially potentially negating any health benefits associated with the red rice extract. Working closely with your doctor and selecting a high-quality supplement from a reputable brand is the best way to take advantage of the unique benefits that this potent, potent ingredients has to offer. So look into the right ones and see which ones you can get to help. You out the best and aren't just a waste of time. And it's like brown and white rice and common sense is that brown rice is gonna and other whole grains may help help you with things like increasing your blood antioxidant levels and reduce risk of heart disease and obesity. And white rice is just basically a huge waste of nutrients, doesn't have the nutrients we need. And then this is a whole new one, a red uh, red rice, but apparently it's not used in its rice form. And they have a bowl full here that looks like normal rice, just in a red forms. I'm surprised they only talk about supplemental ways of taking it. But who knows? Might be benefits to that compared to actually eating the rice by itself. But yeah, check that out if you interest. use. want to try it for inflammation issues or whatever. And we will get back to you have more health segments in the near future. Be good. And take that monster and put him in a box. Toss him in the river. I'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, MSL segment time. Let's do some stretching. There's some good stretches for the morning or whenever, just to loosen up your body, uh, it's including some stretching into your daily morning routine or whenever can help energize you for the day. And that can mean you can, that could mean you could skip that coffee until mid-morning when you might need it more. But you might just want your coffee no matter what, as soon as you're done anyways. Cause if you're like me, you like to have your coffee really in the morning. But we're going to start out with a variety of exercises, including the first one here, child pose, which we've talked about a lot of these before. Begin on, begin on all fours on a mat or something comfor- comfortable with your knees directly under your hips, but your big pose touching. You can widen your toes if having them touching puts any pressure on your knees. Inhale and feel your spine grow longer. As you exhale, take your butt back to your heels and tuck your chin to your chest. Rest here with your forehead on the ground and your arms outstretched. You can also put your arms next to your body, palms resting up if you prefer. Hold this for five deep even breaths and repeat. And do all these as much as you'd like and whatever your body allows. Don't overdo stuff. And then we're gonna do the cat cow. They also call it on this one margerzana and bitalizana. Never heard of that before. This is great for moving your spine, releasing tension in it and your arms and abdominal and your back muscles. Basically push up from child's pose onto all fours to the top or the top of your feet flat. This doesn't make sense. Push up from child's child's pose. Oh, uh, they're making you go right from the last move to the next. So I see what they're doing. So whether you're doing the if you're doing them by yourself, you can skip up the continuation from the last one, but I will say it how they have it. But it says push up from child's pose onto all fours. The top of your feet flat, shoulders directly over your wrist and hips directly over your knees. As you inhale, drop your belly. Letting your back arch, but keeping your shoulders rolled back and down. This is cow. Look slightly upward towards the ceiling. As you exhale, press into your hands, into the ground, and round your upper back. This is is the cat form. Continue moving, arching on your inhales and rounding on your exhales. Repeating this for five breaths. And we move over to do- downward-facing dog, also known as abho mukha Svanasana. I'm sorry, but I am not saying these right, I am sure, and I don't think I should even bother saying the other form of saying it because it's, it's not going to sound right to the people that know how to say it. Uh, this works your arms, shoulders, wrist, and core. While stretching your hamstrings, spine, and calves. Basically, from all fours, push into your hands, straightening your arms as you raise your hips and straighten your legs. Note that you may want to inch your feet and hands a little farther apart, as a longer stance is normally more comfortable and beneficial. Your heels don't have to be touching the ground here. And won't be for most people. Working towards the ground. Not being on your tiptoes is fine. As you exhale, press into your hands and roll your shoulders down and back. Moving your shoulder blades down your back and your shoulders away from your ears. Your spine should be neutral here. You don't want your upper spine working too hard your shoulders hunched, or your belly dropping too far forward to the floor in a sway back. That could just end up injuring your back and making it sore, causing sciatica to awaken. Take at least five deep breaths here, bending one knee and then the other as you do to gently open up the back of each leg. Settle into the pose by not moving your legs for at least two deep breaths. And then we're going to move over to the one-legged dog. This one stretches the side body, the hamstrings, and hip flexors while strengthening strengthening your arms. In downward dog, be sure you are grounding fully and evenly, pressing into both hands. And take a deep inhale, lifting your right leg as you do. When your leg is as high as you can, comfortably get it while keeping your hips level with the ground. Exhale and let your right leg bend with your heel moving forward toward your heel move with your heel moving toward your butt. And then turn so that you can open the right side of your body. Take two deep breaths here, taking the time to let your hip inside open up and lengthen. Straighten the right leg as you square your hips back towards the mat and gently return it to the ground as you exhale Then switch sides and repeat. Then we got warrior one that strengthens, strengthens your shoulders, back, arms, legs, and ankles. It opens your hips, chest, and lungs and increases circulation. To do this, beginning in downward dog, lift your right foot and bend your knee in towards your nose. Plant your right foot between your hands or, if needed, behind your right hand. If you can't get your foot as close to your hand as you'd like, simply set it down. Grab your ankle with one hand and help move it forward or you can rise to standing and inch it forward once your right foot is planted rise it or rise to standing as you inhale deeply right now both feet should still be toes pointing towards the top of your mat if your foot didn't go as far forward as you'd like for this pose inch it forward now When your stance feels stable, pivot your heel all the way to the ground so your back foot is flat on the ground and at about a 45 degree angle. Your heels should align if you were to draw a line from one to the other. Your back leg is straight and your front leg bent, knee over your ankle. As you sink your hips a little bit more, deepen the stretch. Inhale, and lift your arms over your head, palms facing each other, but still parallel, at shoulder width. Take three deep breaths. When you're ready, you can go back into downward facing dog to switch legs, or you can lift your left heel up, making your feet parallel again. Then step forward with your left, take a deep breath, And as you exhale, step your right foot back to the left or back to be the back foot. Basically, you're stretching the whole movement, going right into your next move is what you're doing. Then, mountain pose, which works an assortment of muscles in your torso, legs, core, and arms. Even the archers of your feet should be engaged here. To do it, You can simply step your right foot forward from your previous pose or you can from downward facing dog look between your hands and step one foot, then the other up to meet at the top of your mat and rise to standing. Your feet should either have your big toes just barely touching or your heels will be a little bit apart or you can have your feet a few inches apart to improve your balance. Relax your arms so they are resting at your sides but are still active. Your shoulder blades will be rolled down and onto your back, your neck elongated, and your palms facing forward to keep them engaged. As you inhale and exhale here, shift your weight just the tiniest bit back and forth in your feet. To see if you really are standing equally into both sides. Consider lifting your toes up, up and spreading them out. Or maybe even seeing if you can get all four corners of your feet to, type, to take your weight equally. Take five deep breaths here. And repeat as needed. Then we go on to the standard standing forward bend. This works your spinal muscles, your glutes, your hamstrings, your quadriceps, and your piriformis. From mountain pose, take a deep breath in, lifting your hands up and out until they meet above your head. As you exhale that breath, fold at your hip joints, not your waist, keeping your torso long and lifted as you do. Your legs will remain straight. So you you will place your hands wherever is most comfortable for you. On your shins, your ankles, your feet, or even the floor. You can also bring your palms to the back of your calves or ankles. Note, if none of those options feel okay for your body, hold the opposite elbows. Keep your feet planted firmly and your hips over your heels. As you stay here for five deep, even breaths, remember to elongate your core and spine on the inhalations and release into your bend with your exhalations. Fully relax your head and neck. When you have completed five full breaths here, release your arms from wherever they were as you exhale and rise back up, lifting from your hip joints and core as you inhale. Return to mountain pose for five breaths to end the practice. Basically, everyone has their own morning routine, meditation, coffee, hot water with lemon, breakfast, and a workout, etc. By incorporating a quick yoga routine into yours, you can turn inward before you start your day. You'll give yourself a little me time before putting it all out there. Plus, you'll stimulate your organs, your brain, your muscles, and your focus. You can also wait on your coffee until a more appropriate time. Studies say it's more effective between 10 a.m. and noon anyways. So try those out and see if they help at all with your body pains and issues. And we will get back to you soon. Is work that monster out and wear him out, and then he won't bug us. Take care. Talk to you soon. Let's do another MS health segment. Today, let's talk about MS vision issues. Coping with vision disturbances and all that stuff. If you've recently been diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, you're probably wondering how this disease will affect your body. Many people know that the physical effects, such as weakness or numbness in your limbs, tremors, unsteady gait, tingling or stinging sensations in parts of the body, I'd say stabbing sensations, spasms, and all that too. Double vision, blurry vision, partial loss of vision, full loss of vision, etc. What you may not know is that MS can also affect your vision which we just said, and you could be dealing with all those different types of vision issues. For individuals with MS, vision problems may come and go. They may affect just one eye or both. The problems may grow worse and then disappear, or they may stick around. Understanding what types of visual disturbances you may experience can help you prepare for living with them, and they if they do become permanent or long-term. Common visual disper- disturbances caused by MS can include optic neuritis, which causes blurry vision or hazy vision in one eye. This effect might be described as a smudge in the, your field of vision. You may also experience mild pain or discomfort, especially when moving your eye. And a lot of that's because they're, that nerve that's between the eyeball and where it's fixed in the back part of the eye, it's all tight, and when you turn your eye, you're kind of stretching that nerve and irritating it. The greatest visual disturbance will likely be in the center of your field of vision, but may also cause trouble seeing to the side. Colors may not be as vivid, vivid as normal. Um, Optic neuritis develops when MS begins to break down the protective coating surrounding your optic nerve. This process is called demyelination. As MS grows worse, demyelination will become more widespread and chronic. It often means the symptoms will grow worse and your body may not return entirely to normal once the symptoms disappear. There's um, di- diplopia double vision. In normally functioning eyes, each eye will transmit the same information to the brain for it to interpret and develop into an image. Opia or double vision occurs when the eyes send two images to your brain. This confuses your brain and can, can cause you to see double. Common um, once MS begins to affect the brainstem, the brainstem helps coordinate eye movement, so any damage to it may result in mixed signals to the eyes. The muscles that move along the the eyes are controlled by cranial nerves that pass through the brainstem. Any damage along the pathway can cause the eyes not to move together. The diplopia can resolve completely or, and spontaneously through progressive MS or though progressive ms can lead to persistent double vision nystagmus nystagmus is an involuntary movement of the eye the movement is often rhythmic and results in a jerking or jumping sensation in the eye you may experience dizziness and nausea as a result of these uncontrolled movements oscillopsia is a Feeling that the world is swaying from side to side or up and down is also common in people with MS. This type of visual disturbance is often caused by an MS attack affecting the inner ear or on the cerebellum, the brain's coordination center. Some people only experience it when looking in one direction. The symptoms may get worse with certain activities. Nystagmus typically occurs as a chronic symptom of MS or during a relapse. Treatment can help repair your vision and sense of balance. There's blindness. As MS grows more severe, so will the symptoms. This includes, includes your vision. People with MS may experience blindness, whether partial or full. Advanced demyelination can destroy your optic nerve. Or other parts of your body responsible for vision. This can permanently affect your eyesight. As far as treatment options go. There are ones available for each type of visual disturbance. What's best for you depends on your symptoms. And severity of your disease and your overall physical health. Uh, Just go over it with your doctors and see what they can do. But. They can offer things like eye patch, a systemic steroid injection. There's other medications that they may try, such as clonazepam, clonopin, to help ease the swaying or jumping sensations caused by nystagmus. Uh, It's basically... They have a variety of things you can try if it gets out of hand and you can't handle it. But while vision disturbances in MS patients may be unavoidable, there are steps you can take to help prevent or reduce the likelihood of their occurrences. Resting your eyes throughout the day can help. It can help prevent things like oncoming flare-ups or lessen the intensity that you have to deal with with the issues. Doctors can prescribe glasses that help contain the prisms that shift the eye. Uh, people that have visual impairment impairment before their MS diagnosis will be more susceptible to greater damage and damage could have a greater impact as a person's MS progresses. It's like when I look back at these, things that they mentioned it's like optic neuritis blurry hazy stuff i've had some early well not early on my ms issues but I, later on but just before my final when i finally got diagnosed i had a few things with it but nothing major with that route the double vision i had a little bit of Issues with for a while, but that went away. The involuntary movement in the eyes and the stigmas I had that more more than the other ones, and that seemed to have gone away. I have not had that for a while the asa, which I'm going to look into that more and research it more. I still have that issue. Not as much as I did in the past, but it's like a very few months or so, I'll have it. The world will hop and spin and bounce, and visually I'll see it, and physically I'll kind of feel it a little bit. It'll mess with my gait and stuff. Blindness, I've gone blind. I've had blinding moments. I've gone snow blind and stuff like that, but... Never had no long-term visual ongoing issues, and with my uh, eye x-ray ray I had, that showed promising results. I didn't see no major damage or anything that should irritate me in the future or anything like that, but. Some things that some triggers to watch out for that could cause some of your changes, or like extreme cold, which can increase spasticity. I would think heat would also be in that category. Fatigue, lack of sleep, stress, any of that. Just work with your doctor, talk with them, see what they say a lot of times. Doctors that don't know what to do. Will or how much it's affecting you and what can be done. They'll probably just put you on a steroid regimen for like a flare up or something like that. So Just be careful that you don't do long-term steroids. And if you do look into the side effects and stuff, I've talked about them in the past. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I only use the steroids when I absolutely definitely need them, and I do not do continuation with therapy on the steroid front. So, But, yeah, there's some information on vision problems and MS. So hopefully something will help you out. And take the monster, wrap his eyes up, Blind them, toss them in a the river, get rid of them. And we'll get back to you again soon.